Good morning. Wow, I'm so excited to share with you from Genesis chapter 3. So that's my hint, you can clue. You can go ahead and turn there if you want. The verses will be on the screen as well. Go ahead and turn there. But before we read this story, I want to tell you the title of my sermon. This is entitled, The Great Crime Scene. And then this is my favorite part. Who did what? Okay. Now, Brother Dan, I know that's probably not proper grammar, but I just thought, hey, let's just boil it down. Who did what in this passage? Okay, so we're going to investigate this great crime scene today at the beginning of humanity. However, before we read the scripture, I'm going to put something up on the screen for you in just a minute. Well, actually, Sister Sherry is. She, she always does a great job up there. Give a big hand up there to our team. You, you don't see them, okay? But their eyes in the sky, they keep things going. I'm so thankful for them. All right, so let's, Sister Sherry, you ready? We're going to go ahead. We're going to put the picture up there. Boom. Now, I want a little interaction time. What do you see in this picture? You can talk out loud right now, okay? You see grass. What else? Who sees a lion? Who sees? Raise your hand if you see the lion, okay? If you don't see him, I'm going to walk up here. I wanted a laser pointer, but I, I didn't have one. But if you look in kind of the left center portion of the screen, do you see the two eyes? you got to look close now. He's right there in the left center. And you'll see his eyes. And he's hiding in the grass. That's kind of creepy, isn't it? Isn't that an awesome picture, though? Look at him. Wow. And the longer you look at it, you can see him, can't you? It's like those. Have you ever looked at those pictures on a piece of paper? It just looks like squealy lines. But the longer you look, all of a sudden an image appears. Well, the longer you look at that, you can see this dangerous and powerful enemy lurking in the grass. Scripture tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Satan is cunning, and he is a master of disguise. Did you know Scripture tells us that Satan can disguise himself as an angel of light. And we'll talk more about that later. But listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to be on guard at all times. Because Satan seeks to turn us from God and to consume our lives. And he attacks humanity every day. And it started at the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. And make no mistake about it. We do have an enemy and he lurks in the background. He is subtle and he is crafty. So today, we're going to investigate this first crime scene. We're going to look at three characters. Are you ready? Good. Because whether you are or not, here we go. First is Satan, our adversary. Let's read verses 1 through 5. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of, in the, midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Let's pray. Father, today we bow before you. 
desperately in need of a Savior. Lord, we do have an enemy. And he is subtle. And he lurks in the background. And he tries to lure us away from you into danger. So, Lord, today, would you speak into our hearts, open our eyes, so that we can be aware of the schemes of the enemy, and we can rely on you, Lord, for protection and for salvation. Speak into our hearts today, Lord, and help us to surrender our lives to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Kyle Watson, a Tennessee fireman, was on a hike with his family in November of 2016. Perhaps you saw this on the news. He's got his wife and his two boys, and as they're going on the hiking trail, they encounter a juvenile timber rattlesnake, okay? A baby rattler, as I like to call him. And so, you know, wanting to protect his wife and kids and probably show off a little bit to the boys, he takes a kayak paddle, and he severs the head of the snake. That's pretty awesome, okay? My boys would enjoy that. We like to do that to snakes, you know, if they're poisonous snakes especially. Um, then he decides, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my boys a little nature lesson, a little science lesson. So he decides he's going he's gonna to scoop up the head of the snake on his kayak paddle. And after about three failed attempts, he's like, I'll just pick it up, you know. I'll be like the crocodile hunter, you know, one of those crazy snake wrangler people. He picks the severed head up with his hand. And he said, as I'm holding it, the head turns in my hand and the fangs latch onto my finger. He said, so I flung it off. And he said, within 20 seconds, there was a burning sensation going up my arm. And within 60 seconds, I passed out on the trail, hitting my head on a rock. So now he went from being the protector to being uh, unconscious and bleeding from his head, from the rock, and in a remote trail in the wilderness. So they call 911, and they, the EMS arrives, and they end up life-flighting him to the hospital so he could get the necessary medical attention that he needed. Wow. The takeaway lesson for us, you can cut the head off a snake, but make no mistake about it it can still bite you. What's the application? Jason, why do you tell such a story? Yes, it's, David, it is entertaining. I'm glad it didn't happen to me or any of y'all. But listen, here's the deal. We have a dangerous enemy, and he is a snake. It is Satan. Now, we'll get into this a little later in the sermon, but at the resurrection... Jesus conquered Satan. He dealt the mortal blow to Satan. He severed the head of the snake. However, the head of that snake can still bite you. Satan is a defeated enemy, but make no mistake about it. He's still dangerous, and he's still deadly, and he can still put a venomous bite into us, and he will continue to wreak havoc upon us until the Lord Jesus returns, and then Satan will be doomed into the lake of fire for all eternity. And that's good stuff. And that's money in the bank. And you can count on that to happen. You know why? Because God said it will. So let's go to Satan's strategy upon mankind. So he drew Eve's attention 
to what was off limits. Isn't that interesting? Satan is so good at this, isn't he? Why do we long for the one thing that we can't have? You see, here's what Satan does. He dangles the fear of missing out in front of us. Right? That's a sales tactic too, right? If you don't do this, you're going to miss out. You're going to regret it. Do we believe? Here's, here's what we got to ask ourselves. This is a question we got to answer. Do we believe what culture says or do we believe what God says? Because culture, the worldview, if you want to call it that, twists the word. It changes the word. Like culture right now is trying to redefine the family unit, if you haven't noticed. And that's a big deal. Marriage is one man and one woman, period. The serpent speaks of what Eve would gain, not what she would lose. He doesn't show her the pain. He just shows her the good stuff. And Satan made Eve very comfortable with sin. Here's the one thing that was off limit. God said, here's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the middle of the garden. Do not eat of this fruit, period. That's the one thing. You can eat everything else, but not this. But what does Satan do, or the serpent? He lures Eve up to the forbidden fruit. He gets her comfortable with it. You know, when God says something is off limits, we need to get far away from it. Those are called boundaries to protect us. We don't get up to the edge of the boundary and peek over. Right? Because that's dangerous. We get far away. Now, like Ray, him and Charlotte and Joe and Karen, they're thrill seekers. And they went to the Grand Canyon. And there's this, there's this skywalk. And you, you're actually out off the canyon on this, on this skywalk looking down. There's a glass bottom. And you can just see down to the bottom of the canyon. That's, that's crazy. Ray, y'all are... Y'all are living out there on the edge, brother. But listen to me. When God says something's off limits, don't, don't get out there. Okay? Don't get out there like Ray and Charlotte and Joe and Karen. You get back, far back. Stay where it's safe. But Satan drew her in. And listen, she focused on the one thing she couldn't have instead of the abundance of everything else in the garden that God had offered to her. Are you with me? Eve, you can have everything else, but not this. But what did she go for? The one thing she couldn't have, because that's what Satan does. He gets our attention off of God onto the things that we're not supposed to be a part of. Wow. You want me to stop right there? Just we could end the service? No, I'm going to keep going because there's more and it gets better. Here's what Satan does. He casts doubt about God's word. Write this down. He casts doubt about God's word. If Satan can get you to doubt, then he can get you to disobey. So he put doubt in her mind and he questioned what God said. Satan said, did God really say that you can't eat of any fruit in the garden? Did y'all just catch what he did? Wow. We have a very crafty enemy. Satan is very cunning. He's very deceptive. He said... Eve, didn't God say you can't eat of any fruit in the garden? Now, Satan knew the rule. There's only one fruit that was off limits. Everything else was good. But he's trying to say, didn't God say you can't have any of this? In other words, he's like, look, Eve, God's keeping all this from you. So he, he, he began to put a doubt in her mind about God's word and that, that God had the best in store for her. Well, listen to what Eve said. She said, well... No, God just said we can't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and we can't touch it lest we die. 
Now, as far as I can tell, the only thing I see in Scripture that God told them was, don't eat of it. I don't see where God said, don't touch it. Maybe that came along with it. Maybe that's just not recorded. So I don't know if Eve is really adding to God's word or not, but she possibly could have been. So Satan casts a doubt. Now Eve's, she's getting a little bit uncertain herself. And then Satan goes right into outright defiance. And he says, you won't die. You won't die. But instead, you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. Wow. Now Satan is outright lying to Eve. Uh, Satan wants us to deny God. That's what he's after. And he showed her the benefits of eating the fruit, but he didn't show her the pain. And Satan wants us to believe that sin's not going to hurt us and we can let it in our life. And he wants us to think that God is just keeping us from enjoying ourselves. And our culture says, hey, do what you want, just be happy. And guess what? We get lured into drugs and alcohol and sex outside of marriage and pornography. All these things that promise fun, but they deliver pain and destruction. And make no mistake about it today, sin earns death. Sin earns death. But I want to, tell, I want to, I want to dive in a little deeper with you now. Are you ready? Hold your breath. We're going, to take a deep, we're going to take a deep dive. Satan offers deeper wisdom and knowledge. This is a powerful tool of the enemy. You see, he didn't just lie to Eve about, hey, you're not going to die if you don't eat the fruit. But then he goes on to say, you'll become like God. You're going to know good and evil. Uh, a doctor friend of mine, uh, Je Dr. Jeff Hamby, he wrote a book called The Fatal Blow. And I want to read you a quote from the, his book said, ultimately, mankind desired an intellect equal to that of God that drove them into sin. Okay, why? Because Eve wanted to become like God. That's what Satan, he wanted to become like God. That's why he was cast out of heaven. So he's, he's drawing humanity in to the, same, to the same death sentence, if you will. You see, it's good to have knowledge. We need to understand God's word. We need to study it and know it as best that we can. But listen, we have to be careful because the pursuit of deeper mysteries and power can lead us down the wrong path if we deviate from the truth of God's word. And listen, if you're not grounded in Scripture and the truth of God's word, Satan's lingo can confuse you. You know why? Because he twists the word. He puts a lie in with the truth. He mixes a truth and a lie together. So it sounds pretty good. And he's like, hey, you can have all this new power. You know, Satan offers power. And, hey, make no mistake about it, he's powerful. And people that follow Satan or fall into witchcraft, they'll tell you there's power in that. Scary, evil power. You stay away from it. Are you with me? All right, I need to hear an amen on that. Okay? He, and, he, and he lured even to thinking she could become like God. And listen, this is what Satan does. And maybe you all are thinking, oh, Jason, not me. Not me. I've seen it. Not, not here, not in you. But I've seen people that they're not grounded in the truth so they can be misled into false teachings. False prophets deceive them. And, and they say, hey, listen, over here, this, there's, this, there's this new revelation. Okay? There's a new revelation. And, and, and if, if you follow this path, then you can have all these, these new powers. Okay? That the Bible's wrong about. Or, you know what else Satan does? Satan, this is scary, but this is real. Satan, and, and well, let me just read Galatians 1.8. 
But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you other than what has been preached to you, let him be accursed. Now, why do you think Paul worded it like that? Why did Paul say, even if an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you? Why do you think he said that? Because we have an enemy. He can disguise himself as an angel, right? He has demonic forces at work for, with him or who are fallen angels from heaven who followed Satan. They were cast out because of their pride. And Satan can disguise himself as an angel of light and give a false word, a false revelation. There's whole belief systems out there based on these revelations from an angel that gave a secret code or a new, a new scripture, a new word, if you will. And that takes priority over the word of God. That's scary. But guys, it's real. It happens. It happens all the time. Are you all with me? Okay, I told you we were going to dive a little deep, but we need to be aware. You know, here's some of the worldviews of our culture. Um, one that we've been around for a while, but evolution. You know, evolution, uh, it's just taught so often in, in universities and even in our, in our high schools, some high schools, that it's just a fact that we evolved from this, you know, explosion and there was matter and somehow just over billions of years here we are it seeks to reason away God and they have a really intellectual argument I simplified it okay but a lot of people reason away God and if you can reason away God then guess what you can you can live any way you want to that's scary here's another one spiritualism this is a worldview of our culture today it appeals to the intellect and an awareness of inward powers we can summon mystical powers and gain access to new truths that will enlighten and empower us to accomplish amazing things. That sounds kind of wacko, right? Sounds kind of scary, but a lot of people believe that, guys. So we need to open our eyes to these false teachings of the world. Well, Satan, another thing he does, this is pretty interesting, he offers shortcuts. He did it to Jesus. Jesus, if you'll just bow down to me, all these kingdoms, all these riches, it'll be yours. Shortcut to to the throne, right? Hey, do you think he does the same thing to us? You better believe it. Eve, here you go. You can just do this and you'll be like God and it's, it's all good. Here's the thing. God's way through trials and difficulties, it's not quick. God teaches us to be content in all circumstances and to abide in him, to lean on him, to depend on him for our strength. Are y'all with me? Okay, but the devil says, no, there's another way. I'll give you the shortcut. I'll give you the, I'll give you the quick way. But here's what Satan does. A lot of times he, he plays and he preys upon our insecurities, our weaknesses, and our fears and our hurts. Okay? So he's like, hey, listen, I can take all that away from you. Here's a shortcut to get through the pain. He does. That's one of his tactics. He promises to make things better, but it's only a cheap fix and it never works. Cheap fixes don't work, guys. Shortcuts, they only hurt you in the end. And if you've ever done a home project, you can say amen to that, right? We do the easy way, and what happens? Wayne, you got to redo it and do it right. Amen. Let me talk to you just for a moment about some of Satan's names. This is really interesting. Priscilla Shire, she, she wrote a book, The Armor of God. How many of you ladies went through that in the ladies' Bible? So raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess I checked in my man card because I went and bought this book at Lifeway the other day because Joy's been doing this study. She's like, you've got to read this study. It's amazing. So I got it, and it felt weird. 
to go by this lady's Bible study. All right, y'all don't, don't repeat this, okay? I'm trusting you. We're family here. Some good, really good uh, truths in it, though. But she talks about the names of our enemy. Now, a name reveals a methodology of attack with Satan. It reveals his character, who he is. So here's some of his names in Scripture. You ready? I'm just going to give you a list. He's our adversary. He's a slanderer. His name is Lucifer, which also means day star or shining one. Again, he can appear to us in an appealing way. He can lure us in. He's the tempter, right? He seeks to mislead our passions and convince us to fulfill them in per perverted and illegitimate ways. Satan personalizes temptations, doesn't he? To lead us astray. He's also called the ruler of the world, the prince of power, the prince of darkness. He's the accuser. Wow. He constantly reminds us of our failures and then he wants to weaken us by bringing up guilt and shame. Isn't that interesting? Here's the tempter. Here's Satan. He tempts us, right, into sin, right? We fall into it, and then what does he do? Throws guilt in our face. Well, you're, you're worthless. You're no good. God can't use you now. Are you with me? Do you all relate to that? Can you identify with that? He's a bully, and that's what he does. He's the father of lies. His character contains no truth and no light. He constantly seeks to misconstrue God's word. Also, I want to give you some of his attack tactics. Here's how Satan attacks us. He attacks our spiritual passion. He tries to dampen our spiritual zeal for the Lord. And he attacks our focus. Listen to 2 Corinthians eleven 14. I've referenced this twice already. I want you to get this, okay? It's very important. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Do you see the danger of this enemy? He can make something look good, but we better line it up with the word of God. Are you all with me? Too often, we focus on the wrong culprit in marriage, okay? And in our earthly relationships. Because we want to attack each other. Right? We see each other as the enemy. But here's what you got to know. Satan is attacking that other person. So a lot of times, the things that get on your nerves or upset you or hurt you or offend you, it's because Satan's attacking that other person in their area of weakness. So instead of getting offended at them, we need to pray for them. We need to love on them. We need to share the truth of God's word with them. We need to never give up on them. That's for any of our relationships, right? Right? Do you believe that? Okay? The relationships we have with other people, your spouse or siblings or parents or friends or coworkers, they're not the enemy. Satan's the enemy. He's the real enemy. We need to open our eyes to that. And when they get on your nerves, it's because he's capitalizing on their weaknesses. And he's tempting them to do things that they shouldn't do. Satan also attacks our identity. You know, if we have Jesus as our Savior, then we're his. We belong to him. But Satan goes at our insecurities, and he says, you're nothing. And we forget our identity in Christ. So we got to reclaim that. He attacks our family. He attacks our confidence. 
He attacks our purpose in life or our calling, and he attacks our purity. Wow. Guys, you can't turn on the TV. You can't turn on the computer without going into battle when it comes to guarding your purity. And Satan wants to tempt us to justify sexual immorality, whether it be through the images we look at or the things that we're doing. But we got to guard our purity. There's no justification for any sexual act outside of marriage between a man and a woman. So if it's homosexuality or pornography or adultery or sexual activity outside of marriage, that is sin. Woo! We are just opening it up today, aren't we? Hey, guess what? We're all grown-ups in here. All right, even you teenagers, you're grown-ups. We need to know these things from God's Word. Because here's the thing, Satan just wants to get us in bondage and addiction and convince us that we're going to be deprived if we let these things go. No, you won't be deprived. You will be blessed because then you're going to be free and you'll have God's power in your life. Because if you let, if you let this sin in your life, man, it's going to pull you down and you won't be free. You'll be in bondage. Listen, I've talked a lot about the enemy today, but I really want you to understand he is real, he is powerful, and he is deadly. Okay, so as we're looking at this great crime scene, we see that we have this enemy and he, uh, he has lured mankind into sin. So now we're going to shift gears and we're going to talk about mankind, the second subject of our investigation. Okay, mankind, let's look at verses 6 through 13 of Genesis 3. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And listen to this part. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, and listen to this, tune in, men. The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. He threw her under the bus. <laughs> and the Lord said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent. Well, I'm going to read that part in a minute. Let's just stop right there. I got a picture up here I want you to look at. It's a little, it's a little gruesome, but it's pretty cool, okay? Y'all think that's gruesome? All right. That's yeah, that's the you know who created all that? God, man, he made nature wild. Of course, there's a sin effect that messed things up. We'll talk about that in a minute. But that is a Nile crocodile. And they they live in Africa and they obviously live in the water. They can uh, a huge the biggest one on record is a little over 20 feet long, weighs a little over 2,400 pounds. They can exert 5,000 pounds of pressure with their bite. They lurk under the water, and when a victim comes to get a drink or to cross the waterway to get to greener pastures, they latch onto them, they pull them underwater, and they drown them. That's a brutal and lethal enemy. 
But the wildebeest, okay, that represents us. We can say the crocodile represents our enemy, the devil. But the wildebeest represents us. And we have to be careful, guys, because we can be lured in to things that we think are okay. And we can be in dangerous water and not even know that that enemy's lurking. So today I want you to open your eyes up to that. A couple weeks ago on a Wednesday night, I showed you the alligator snapping turtle, how he lured in the bait with his tongue and closed his jaws on them. And I couldn't show that again, but I thought about this, because that's, that's what the enemy does. And I, I love nature, so bear with me on my illustrations, okay? I, just, I like the outdoors, so I'm amazed by it, because God made it. Listen to me. If Satan can get our eyes on the wrong things, then we don't see the danger that's around us. We need to wake up. So here's old Eve. Let's go back to, the, back to verse 6. So she focuses on what looks good. It's appealing to the eye. And as we talked about earlier, Satan, he just wants us to focus on the things that are off limits. And if we're not careful, guys, look at me. We can see all the things of the world, and all of a sudden we're just consumed with the things of the world we want. And we work to get, and that's all that we do. And we can become consumed with it. And we focus on the lust of the flesh, and we, we want that thing that's off limits. Listen, we got to control what we think about and what we look at because if we don't, lust will consume us. Are you with me? All right. We got to focus on not being prideful because that's another way that Satan attacked Eve and he attacks our ego, right? And she thought, man, I can be like God. I can have the wisdom of God here. And so, boom, we, we can say, you know what? Let's, let's put this in marriage. We can say, man, you know, my spouse isn't meeting my needs, so I'm just going to look elsewhere. Right? Why? Because it's, it's about us. It goes to our ego. You know what? Well, I think the root cause of sin is pride. It's, we make it about us and not about God and not about others. And so we, we want to fulfill our, our selfish desires. But here's the result of sin. This is the sad part. As soon, as soon as they partook of the fruit, they recognized they were naked. They realized, oh my goodness, we, we now know what sin is. Their innocence was lost, so they, they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And then God comes, and he's walking in the, in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hear him coming. And whom, whom they'd had perfect fellowship with, their creator, now is severed because of sin. And they hide, and they were afraid. And God said, why are you hiding and who did he call out? Did he call out Eve? No, listen to me. He called out Adam. You know why he called out Adam first? Because he's the leader. Adam's the God-given leader in Genesis 2 that's supposed to be the head of the household. He's supposed to be the protector. Where was he when Eve was deceived? So he calls out Adam, and Adam said, hey, the woman you gave me, she made me do it. You know? He's like, did you eat of the tree? And Adam just blames it on Eve. Wow, right there. Boom, she did it, Lord. The one you gave me, she made me do this. Uh-uh, God's not buying that. Excuses don't work, right? All right? And then he confronts Eve, and Eve's like, hey, the serpent misled me. Boom. So now we have this chain reaction. And so everything's messed up, and that's what sin does. It messes things up. So now a crime has been committed, and the consequences follow, and the sin curse goes out upon, number one, the serpent, that he would crawl in his belly, and he would be despised. And it said that Jesus would, would bruise his head. Okay, the serpent would bruise Jesus' heel. That's the death of Jesus on the cross. 
That was, that was Satan's best shot to Jesus, but Jesus couldn't be held down. He rose again on the third day, and guess what? He dealt the death blow to Satan. He severed his head. We talked about that earlier. He's mortally wounded. This is prophecy that was fulfilled. And then he told Eve, and I want, ladies, listen to me here. He told Eve, he said, your desire will be for your husband. This is a curse. Now, let's, let's define this, because ladies, I don't want... I, it's good to think that your man is a hunk, okay? You, win, you need to think that he's a stud, okay? You should. Right? It's not saying it's a curse to desire your husband. What this is saying, it translates, she will desire to control her husband. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You see the problem? Marriage was in perfect harmony, and then when the sin happened, it was severed. The man was supposed to lead. He wasn't leading. He was being passive. He didn't protect Eve. So guess what? Now, there's this struggle. So there's a struggle. Man's supposed to lovingly lead, and the wife is supposed to willingly submit. Doesn't mean she can't have her thoughts and her mind and, and express those thoughts. Men, we need to respect our wives, and we need to heed their, listen to their counsel and consider it. But we are responsible for leading our home. But do you see the struggle now? There's always a control. There's a control struggle in marriage. But it all goes back to the sin in the garden. And then man was cursed. Well, woman was also cursed to have pain in childbirth. Man was cursed because the ground would no longer yield its fruit to him. So the things we find our identity in, marriage, kids, work, guess what? They're all going to go against us. It's going to be tough. So what do we do? You're like, Jason, this is gloom and doom. <laughs> wow, what a great, I'm so encouraged now. All right, I saved the best for last. Let's go to the third character of our story. That's God. That's God. And you know what God did? I won't read the verses because we're about out of time, but I want to tell you, let me tell you what God did. God made a covering for their nakedness, and he took animal skins and he covered up their, 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 their nakedness. God made provision for us. We've all messed up. We've all sinned. We've all fallen into Satan's traps. We all know that. But guess what? God sent his son, Jesus, to be a covering for us. And we can put on the righteousness of Jesus. His blood cleanses us from our sins. God takes away the bad things that we do when we trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And we ask him to forgive us of our sins. And we get eternal life in heaven. God made provision. He made a way. He interceded. And that lion that was hiding, God brings him out. Maybe we've got that picture. God exposes him. Do we have that picture? There he is. He's not hiding anymore. He's out. He's a real enemy, but guess what? He's already defeated. We can lean on the one who can overpower him, and that's God. And he already overpowered him. He did it at the resurrection. All we have to do is rely on Jesus to be our covering. He cleanses us. Let Jesus be your strength today.